Chapters forty one through forty three of Out of the Shadow by Rose Gollop Cohen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty one. When we finished paying what we owed the landlord, our lodgers moved away, and we moved again into three rooms on the same block but nearer to Clinton Street. We were glad to find rooms so near, for we could save the moving expenses. Late one night, when father came home from work, he and mother carted over the furniture on a pushcart, the children carried the clothes and pots and pans in their arms, and I stayed in the new rooms and put things in their places as they came in. We liked moving from one place to another. Everyone on Cherry, Monroe, and other streets moved often. It meant some hard work, but we did not mind that because it meant change in scenery and surroundings. None of the places were pretty, and most of them were dingy but moving even from one dingy place to another is a change and then too some were less dingy than others here for instance the living-room instead of being painted an ugly green that had made everything look dark and that had depressed our spirits was a bright pink also there were two windows facing the street through which the sun came in and if there was less privacy for the rooms were on the stoop just a few steps above the sidewalk it was pleasant to sit down near the window and watch the people passing by Across the street there was a blacksmith's shop. I liked to listen to the ding-ding of the hammers beating in unison, and we could see the sparks flying. Sometimes a bright, healthy young face, all covered with grime, was pressed against the heavy grating of the blacksmith's shop window. One day the young man saw me looking over, and he grinned. Cherry Street is not a wide street, and he probably saw my embarrassment, for he threw his head back and laughed heartily. All these things were important when I was fifteen years old, and we lived on Cherry Street. The first neighbor with whom we became acquainted in this house was the dressmaker who lived across the hall. Her husband was a carpenter. Whenever he was not working, I would see him sitting at the window reading a book. One day when I went in to see the raisins, I found that the husband was out and the book was lying on the table. I had long been curious about it, and now I took it up and sat down at the window. Of course it was in Yiddish. I began to spell out the words. I had not read since I came to this country and had almost forgotten how. But as I read line after line it became easier and easier, and soon I forgot all about everything, and did not hear Mrs. Raisin working at the machine, her three little ones romping about the room, the clattering of the heavy trucks passing the window, and the ding-ding from the blacksmith shop. I became aware of these things again only when I heard Mrs. Raisin saying, "'Girl, you are blinding your eyes!' Then I looked up and saw that night had come. I found from Mr. Raisin that these books could be borrowed from soda-water stand-keepers if one left fifteen cents security and paid five cents for the reading of the book. I listened to all the details with discouragement. For when could I hope to have twenty cents saved? Nevertheless, I began to save, or rather, I determined to put away the very first cent I had. But in the meanwhile I watched out for Mr. Raisin's book. He rarely forgot to put it out of sight, for he had three mischievous little children. But whenever I saw it on the table, I would go in and read it. At last, one night, I brought home my first volume. I took the lamp out of the bracket, placed it on the table, and opened the book. I had told the stand-keeper to give me anything as long as it was with vowels, for I had only learned to read the Hebrew print that had the vowels. These consisted in dots and lines printed under each letter. In the meantime, the children gathered around me, and Mother came over with her sewing and looked at me disapprovingly, sadly. "'What a child you are!' her eyes seemed to say. "'How little sense you have! 
if you had spent this money on nourishing food and again true you did not ask for the money you saved it but where did it come from i understood this as plainly as if she had uttered the words poor mother she was often worried over how to live and save on our six or seven dollars and over my health and so partly with the hope of cheering her up a little and partly to draw her attention away from myself and a possible scolding i began to read aloud in a few minutes i looked up and saw her stitching quickly on the little dress she was mending i could see she was listening but the sad look had not left her eyes but when again i looked up the little dress lay forgotten in her lap and on her face there was a healthy look of interest and curiosity the only stories she had ever heard before were from the bible from that time many happy evenings were ours mother always listened reluctantly as if she felt it were a weakness to be so interested sometimes she would rise suddenly during the most interesting part and go away into the dark kitchen but soon i would catch her listening from the doorway and i live now in a wonderful world one time i was a beautiful countess living unhappily in a palace another time i was a beggar's daughter singing in the street of course we never drew more than one little book a week about two hundred and fifty pages for five cents but i got all i could out of it i read it aloud i re-read it to myself and i lived it when i was not reading almost every book had a song or a poem these i learned by heart found appropriate melodies for them out of the great stock of russian peasant songs that i knew and when aunt masha and her friends came on a saturday i would sing to them mother always seemed uneasy when she heard these songs and sister would look at me with astonishment and her truthful eyes seemed to say how can you i did feel guilty but the next time they came i had a new song for them one day when i went to change my book the stand-keeper looked over his three shelves of books high over his stand and said finally i don't believe i have another book with vowels no more books i pictured an impossible existence in our house without the joy of reading look well i begged him he stood up on a high stool and began rummaging about on the top shelf here he said is the last one and i don't think you will like it it is a thick clumsy volume a thick volume could a book be too thick and what did the clumsiness matter let me see it i said controlling my eagerness for i had learned that people were often charged according to the desire they showed for the article i turned to the first page of the story and read the heading of the chapter i am born something in these three little words appealed to me more than anything i had yet read i could not have told why but perhaps it was the simplicity and the intimate tone of the first person i had not read anything written in the first person my eager fingers turned to the title page and i uttered the words half aloud david copperfield by charles dickens i'll take it i said i laid the five pennies on the zinc-covered soda counter and walked away slowly expecting and fearing to hear the stand-keeper's voice calling after me and demanding an extra five cents because the book was so thick but when the danger of that was past i fairly ran home with my prize what a happy two weeks we spent we lived little david's life over with him mother cried when he and peggotty bade each other farewell through the keyhole and then she laughed at her tears remembering that it was only a story and as i sat in the shop felling sleeve-lining i would go over in my mind what i had read the night before 
with what joy i looked forward to the evening when after supper we would all gather around the lamp on the table and sister or i would read aloud while mother sewed and the little ones sat with their chins very near the table for if there was any joy to be gotten out of anything they must have their share and so they would sit blinking sleepily and trying hard to understand but finally they would fall asleep with their heads on the table then mother sister and i would move closer to each other and i would read in a lower voice when we were through with david copperfield we felt as if we had parted from a dear friend we could not bear to read anything else for a whole week the next book we drew was without vowels sister and i had never dreamed it would be so easy to learn to read it in a week we read it as fluently as the other and now reading material was not so limited a flying newspaper in the street a crumpled advertisement sheet i would smooth out tenderly and carry off home happy in the expectation of what was awaiting me i tried to understand everything i read but if i could not i read it anyway for just to read became a necessity and a joy there were so few joys chapter forty two one night about this time when i came into the house i was shocked at what i saw father was sitting on a low box in the middle of the room he was in his stocking feet his elbows resting on his knees his head bent between his hands sister stood near the lamp in the bracket reading a letter and crying bitterly my thought was of grandmother at once i went over to sister and looked over her shoulder after a lengthy and ceremonious greeting it read your mother is dead but you should not grieve you should be glad for she suffered much in these two years it was an old woman that wrote the letter and what she told of grandmother's suffering is too horrible to repeat the letter closed with i only hope and pray that he who breaks every home he to whom no bond is sacred the czar of russia may know at least for one year in his life the sorrow and loneliness she has known it was also about this time that a man came from our part of the country and gave us news of grandfather he was in minsk in a home for the aged the man had seen him and said that he was well but at times his mind was like that of a child he spoke of his children in america and his eyes were full of tears but soon he chuckled gleefully brother he said to the man come i will show you something he took him by the hand and led him to a cot standing in a corner he looked around cautiously like a shy little squirrel and then took a tiny bundle in a red bandana from under the pillow he patted the little bundle and smiled brightly at the man you see brother he whispered as long as i have this i have no fear of want he untied the knot with his poor old trembling fingers and the man saw a few little lumps of sugar and a few crusts of bread covered with green mould all his life the thought of want in his old age had been his one fear chapter forty three the warm days passed but my health did not improve on the contrary it grew worse and i worked less and less a day in one shop a half day in another for i had no steady place now often after i had worked a morning in a shop the boss would pay me for the half day and tell me he had no more work i understood that i was not doing enough and it did not pay him to keep me when i had the strength and the courage i would go to other shops and ask if they needed a feller hand it did require courage to enter a shop for the people stared my face was so pale when i did not have the courage i went home and was glad to lie quite still on the couch in the autumn i had to stay at home altogether what little i had earned was badly missed winter was coming and none of us had even half warm enough clothing 
so father decided that sister should leave school and take my place she had just learned to read and write a little and of course she could speak english it was thought that she had made good progress in the short time considering the drawbacks she had had in not knowing the language we all felt sad mother particularly that her education should end here sister herself took it in a way characteristic of her her days in school had been happy ones she had been known and loved by teacher and pupils throughout the little henry street school and like the rest of us she did not look upon free schooling in america in a matter-of-fact way she a little jewish girl from an out-of-the-way russian village of which no one ever heard was receiving an education it seemed a wonderful privilege but when she saw that this was not to be after all she did not utter a single word of protest or complaint on the first morning of going to the shop for she was starting in as a finisher on buttonholes she rose very early as i had once done i lay on the couch in the front room which was my place now and watched her this morning reminded me of that first one when i left for the strange shop sister was about the same age there were the same preparations the same grey light in the room the only difference was that now mother was here to put the thimble and scissors into her little coat pocket and tuck the little bundle of lunch under her arm and close the door after her and then stand so still with her face pressed against it i stayed in the house all day i felt despondent i often felt in the way when night came or it was time for father to be home from work i went out i had begun to feel in the way when father was in the house as the illness or semi-illness continued mother became even more tender and devoted but father's sympathy waned this illness was such a long drawn-out affair it had had no definite beginning and promised to have no end and besides he saw that i suffered no pain i was merely pale and not over strong what of that he himself was not strong he found sitting in the shop harder and harder as the years were passing he had been working as a tailor since he had been twelve years old and just now his eyes were troubling him for he had inherited grandmother's weak eyes and so he felt no doubt that just when i should have been a greater help to him i became a care and expense besides this there were other unpleasant features for people in my parents circumstances it was not a usual thing to keep a daughter at home and so inquisitive relatives and neighbours began to ask why why was i staying at home what was the matter with me why was i so pale my parents felt they must hide the truth even at the cost of lying for i was growing up and what man would marry a sick girl but it must not be thought that now we lived only in trouble we had our joys too they seemed very trivial but they helped to make up our life father belonged to a society in which he was an active member the men often came to our house to talk things over with him and he felt important and often offered our front room for committee meetings before they opened the meeting they always assured mother that they would not keep us up any later than ten o'clock but when the time came they were so deep in discussion that they never even heard the clock strike the hour i used to sit down in the doorway of the kitchen and front room from where i could see all their faces and listen to their heated arguments always it was a piece of burial ground that was a subject of discussion and when a member or any one belonging to his family died whether the rest of the members should contribute an extra dollar to cover burial expenses and whether as a society they should or should not employ a doctor and pay him out of the society fund at twelve o'clock or even later 
they would at last break up with the question of the burial ground and the extra dollar and the doctor still unsettled then mother and i would go into the front room coughing and choking from the cigarette smoke and open up the folding cots and carry the sleeping children to bed the two little ones often cried at being awakened to undress but father if he had succeeded in carrying a point and in the knowledge that he had served the society in giving the room went to bed smiling sister was happy in a friendship she had formed the little girl was the oldest in a family of boys the mother was always sick and this little woman of eleven went to school where we heard she was remarkably bright and between times she took care of the mother and the boys and the house she went patiently with her back a little bent from task to task and was always sweet and bright sister made friends with her one friday night when she sat with her little brothers on the iron steps of the tenement telling them stories and my mother after visiting the sick woman would often tell herself and us too children we must not sin indeed we have a great deal for which to be grateful while i having more time now dreamed more i rarely had a book to read now that i was not working but as i lay on the couch with my eyes closed i made up stories for myself they were of the life i saw about me with little variations to suit myself some of the stories were short some were long and i continued them from day to day once or twice i tried to write the things but the moment i had the pencil in my hand my mind became a blank i did not know where to begin what to say and when i finally succeeded in writing a few sentences it seemed to have no meaning and yet i wondered in my mind a few minutes before they did have a meaning often too i thought over religious questions that i heard or which came up in my mind i was still religious but i could no longer accept my religion without question and these questions perplexed me and i felt guilty that they should come up at all and tried to put them away from my mind now also that i had time i began to go to night school and sister came too i only knew how to read a word here and there i sat in the class and followed each girl that read with my finger on the page if i happened to lift my finger i could not find the place sister would have sat near me and helped me but i felt ashamed to let her help because i was the longest in this country she read well and made good progress but i sat trembling with nervousness all evening i could never learn to forget that there were people all about me and the time i spent in waiting for the teacher to call on me to read i can only count among the greatest sufferings i ever had i would sit with my hands lying cold in my lap and my face turning hot and cold by turns most of the time i was unable to follow i was so upset and when the teacher called on me at last and i stood up with my book in my hand i seemed to see nothing but a blank page then i would hear a queer sound like of someone sick the next moment i was sitting down and yet i could not bear to stay away i had a feeling that the world was going on and i was being left behind this feeling drove me on and i went to the class and learned painfully a word or two at a time End of chapter forty three